Right across the world today, this scripture is going to be read. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. It says, on the day of Pentecost, and remember the day of Pentecost, 50 days from Easter, this is a crucial day. It could have been any day that God poured out His Spirit upon the church, but the Father chose this day, the day of Pentecost. Pentecost wasn't a new holiday. It was one the Jewish people, every year they celebrated it, and they celebrated it for two reasons. Number one, they celebrated Pentecost because they believed that it was on that day that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. In other words, the Old Covenant. That was Covenant Day. And so on covenant day, all these years later, is the day that the Father pours out the Holy Spirit. What does that tell us? The new covenant that came down from heaven was not a tablet of stone, but rather the Holy Spirit into our lives. That's why when the Bible says, I will make a new covenant with them, I'm not writing on stone, I'm writing their laws in my heart. We have a covenant now, not of do's and don'ts but of the Holy Spirit living inside of us who wants to lead us and direct us and guide us. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, they believed that, uh, well, Pentecost was the day of, of the festival of harvest. So every year what the Jewish people would do is they'd gather the first fruit of their harvest, and on this day, they'd bring it to the temple, they'd offer it up to the Lord, and they'd be saying, thank you, Lord, for fruitfulness and favor in our lives. And on the day of fruitfulness and favor... God poured out the Holy Spirit. What does that tell you? The key to fruitfulness and favor in our lives is not trying to be good, not going to church on Sunday. Those are good things, but that's not what's going to lead to fruitfulness and favor on our lives. What leads to fruitfulness and favor is living life surrendered to His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of fruitfulness. It just says He's the spirit of the new covenant to lead and guide us. He's the spirit of fruitfulness who will bring fruitfulness into our lives. It's a great celebration. So on that day of Pentecost, all the believers were together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, which was significant because, remember, Jewish people, they knew their Bible. They're thinking, wind, wind. Remember, as God breathed, that word is the same, breathed. He winded into Adam, and Adam came alive out of dust. And then Ezekiel, remember, he said, can these bones live in the valley of dry bones? And God said, prophesy to the wind and say, wind blow. And guess what happened to the valley of dry bones? They weren't just put together. It says they became a mighty army. So for the, the Jews, they would have been thinking this wind is the power of God that brings life and transforms deadness, not just to aliveness, but to the mighty army of God. What is going to turn us, church, into the mighty army of God? Power of the Holy Spirit at work in each one of us. Verse number three, then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Huge. I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have looked like, this, this awesome thing. God was speaking. And what happened in the Old Testament when they had the tabernacle and then when they had the temple, they dedicated the temple to the Lord and then it says the glory, the fire of God came down in a cloud upon the temple and the tabernacle. And God was saying, this is the new temple. It's not temple made of bricks. You, filled with the Spirit, you are the temple of God. The Holy of Holies is not behind some curtain in Jerusalem. The Holy of Holies is right here where the Holy Spirit lives. This is the new temple 
of God. In verse number four, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit did it. It said the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And the empowering of the Holy Spirit is that we may speak a new language. Now, I believe, I'm not going to speak about it today, but I believe God wants to give you a heavenly language to be able to worship the Lord. And we're going to be praying for some folk at the end. But I believe this language was the language of the Spirit that brings diverse people together. We have one heart, one mind, united together, one people because of the Holy Spirit. And as I've shared before, I've had the privilege of visiting different nations, staying in homes of strangers, but they're not strangers because they're also filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can step into any country in the world, not know their physical language, but when your heart is full of the Holy Spirit, their heart is full of the Holy Spirit, your family, you speak the same language, it's the language of God. Amen? That's what we're remembering today, the day of Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus was so excited, so passionate, so keen, so wanting, so willing for you and I to be able to experience the gift of God within us by His Spirit that literally He paid with His life. This is how important this is to Jesus because the price tag for you and me to be able to become vessels of the Holy Spirit was literally the precious blood of Jesus poured out. There was no on-sale special, no group discount. There was a price to be paid because he has the problem. You and me are not holy. I mean, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have done stuff, thought stuff, said stuff that is absolutely, in God's eyes, blasphemous, unholy, and sinful. Every one of us. So now how do you take the Holy Spirit? you know why the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit? Because He's holy. <laughs> Unapt, uncontaminated, unpolluted by sin. How does the Holy Spirit live inside, well, me? You can ask my wife. We've got issues. <laughs> There's a whole lot of unholiness here. I've got the issues. Not we, me. Yeah, just to clarify right there. Right there. One of us is more. No, let's not go there. <laughs> he has the point. He has the point, the only way the Holy Spirit could dwell inside unholy me is if God could make me holy in his sight. And the only way to do that was through the precious blood of Jesus poured out. He had to wash me of my sin, and then he had to sanctify, to separate me, to set me apart for holy use. Now, take a look at what uh, would used to happen in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, let's have an example in Leviticus 16, verses 15 to 16. It says, Then Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people and carry its blood behind the inner curtain. That's the holy place. Then he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover and in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood. Through this process, he will purify how is that place purified for the presence of God? Through the sprinkling of blood. He will purify the most holy place, and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the people of Richard's Bay. Okay, you see, that's it. How did the rebellious, sinful people become purified? It was through the blood of bulls and goats. But all God was doing is, I'm giving you a picture of Jesus who is to come. There's no power in the blood of bulls and goats. 
It was pointing towards Jesus who was to come. And it's his blood received when we surrender our hearts and we say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. As I confess my sin, as I turn from my sin, I'm saying, Jesus, I trust in you. And then it's the father, just like Aaron, takes the blood of his son and and spiritually covers us with his blood so that we are pure in his sight so that now you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. That's why we can now not only... uh, I mean, even these priests, even after they've killed endless bulls and goats and covered everything, I'm so pleased I'm a New Testament priest and not an Old Testament priest. Honestly, Old Testament priests, I think they would have been a combination of a bra master and an abattoir or something. I don't know. Because all of this blood and cutting, now we have Jesus. But even then, the Old Testament priest would have once a year, he got to go into the Holy of Holies. And he would have been repenting of all his sins, covering everything, blood, blood, and then tiptoeing into the presence. Because if you went in to God's holy presence and there was any sinfulness not covered by blood, guess what would happen to you? Drop dead. Like remember they were transporting the Ark of the Covenant and as the oxen stumbled and, and the wagon moved, Uzzah put out his hand, touched the Ark, bam, dropped dead because the unholy can't touch the holy. And so the high priest would sort of tiptoe into the holiness of God saying, please, anything else, Lord, forgive me. And now you know what it says to you and I? And that was just the earthly picture of the heavenly throne room of his presence. Now to you and I, it says we, verse Hebrews 4, verse 16, since then we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing we did, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly not in fear not in trepidation not feeling unworthy not no no let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy do you need mercy when you already spotless pure and no no you need mercy when you know you've messed up and you've blown it so this is not talking about coming before God's throne when you're feeling sanctimonious. I went to church, I had a quiet time, I've given my money, I've prayed prayers. No, no, this is when you've messed up. And you come before your father, Lord, I've blown it again. But still I come boldly before your throne because of Jesus. And boldly before your throne I receive mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. And if you're anything like me, this is not a once a week trip to the throne room of God. I don't know about you, but I need grace daily, multiple times daily. I feel like I'm a bit of a special needs kind of son of my father because I need to come often before his throne. Lord, I need help again. I need help again. I need your empowering grace in my life. It's the awesome work of what Jesus has done. Pentecost is the celebration of the giving of the Holy Spirit. The awesome work of the cross made the infilling of the Spirit possible. So now Jesus says this. The Holy Spirit is equal God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So now, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Literally, God's Spirit is now going to come and live in you. Not just rest upon you like the Old Testament, but live inside of you because you are holy in the sight of God because of the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus said this in Acts 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. That, that's the root of that word is dynamo, dunamis. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, 
telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be different. You'll be changed. There will be a power inside of you that will enable you to live a life that reflects Jesus. It's not just telling about Jesus. Most translations say, you'll be my witnesses in. It doesn't even say just telling. Telling is part of it. But your life, living for Jesus everywhere you are, in that factory you work in, where everyone swears and drinks and they're racist and they're horrible, shine for Jesus. And you think you can't, but you can because you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you've got the boss from hell and you think you should leave your job because this is like the den of Satan. No, no, don't leave. Shine for Jesus in the darkness. And you're in a tough situation right now and you think, surely God would want me to run away. No, no. Shine for Jesus in the midst of the darkness because you have received the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to be his witness. Now, that word witness, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. What are you thinking that word witness actually means? Well, the Greek word for that word is martyr. So how are we going to witness for Jesus by being a martyr, not a martyr, we, you, you know what a martyr is, someone who lays down their lives, they killed for their faith. And this is what Jesus is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will live a life that's surrendered unto death for him, and that's what will be a witness to the world. Yep, that might mean some of you might be called into a distant nation where maybe some of us might have to pay with our lives. But sometimes what's tougher than paying with your life is living your life. For Jesus in a difficult situation. But that spur of a martyr, I love Jesus enough that not my will, your will be done. Not what I want, what you want. Not what my flesh says, but Jesus, what your Holy Spirit wants. I want to surrender my life completely. That the Holy Spirit will empower you to live the spirit of a martyr inside of you, laying it all down for the glory of Jesus. And friends, that's not try harder. That's because the Spirit of God inside of you will empower you. Amen? Who wants that? Come on. <laughs> so, are you willing to pay a price this Pentecost? Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us? Now, this is going to be practical, and uh, I'm changing directions slightly because I want to... Ladies, what would you be looking for in a maternity ward? I mean, if you, if you had, I mean, you're about to have a baby. I can, I mean, I can only imagine that uh, you would want to select the kind of hospital that, uh, well, one, it's got to have the best doctors and nurses. We don't want any flower by night here. We want the best, the best of the best. I want to be in safe hands, qualified doctors and nurses. I want, I'm sure you would want great facilities. You'd want some comforts along the way as well. It's going to be traumatic, so we might as well make it as comfortable as possible. And I suppose you'd want a track record. You'd love to hear from some of your other circle of friends. Yes, they went there, and it was a great experience. Friendly staff, great professionalism. What about for us as a church? What would the Father want in each of us? You see, here's the amazing thing. In, uh, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had now just been poured out at Pentecost, and, and uh, about 120, the church was about 120 people at the time, and they were the ones filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they began to praise God and they were making a noise, crowds gathered, and Peter, now full of the Holy Spirit, who a few days ago, remember, about 40, 50 days ago, was denying Jesus, saying, I don't even know this guy. 
Now he's standing up boldly proclaiming and he preaches to the crowd. And then Acts 2 verse 41, it says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Now, church, think with me. Our Heavenly Father knew that He could trust, not the 120, He could trust the power of the Holy Spirit inside the 120 to take care of this 3,000 new babes in Christ. Yeah, 3,000 people were born again in a day. Church, imagine with me, if next Sunday, 3,000 people got added to Outlook Church. Because the Father said, this is the place. I'm going to bring in. God can do anything. He did it then. He can do it again. Would we be ready? Would we be able to handle 3,000 new people added, brand new babes in Christ? What happened? Well, story carries on. Verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple courts each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. In other words, God had found a maternity ward, added 3,000 to get the ball rolling, and then it said every day he kept adding more and more and more and more. How is that possible? The only way it was possible was when every one of the 120 took upon themselves the responsibility of taking some of those new babes under their wing. I'm going to look after them. We can't run a program Our believers' training is not going to handle that. The only way to do it is if all of the 120 were willing to take a couple of folk under their wing and look after them. Now, when I was in in the Klerkstorp, they've got this lovely young leader. His name's Thomas. He's this kind of round, smiley guy, and uh, he's about 22, 23 years old, just got married. They've just got this little baby, and and, uh, they're just a delightful couple. So he leads the youth in the church, and... uh, uh, he said to me, uh, well, actually, he said to the elders, so he's got about eight months of leadership experience. He's passionate for Jesus. And uh, so uh, Viva at the back, you saw Viva a moment ago, and her, her brother-in-law and, and sister, they moved to Clarkstall recently. Now, Malcolm Black, that's her brother-in-law. He, he's a veteran in the faith. I mean, he's been in ministry, I don't know, like 80, 90, 100 years or something. He's just a veteran in the faith. You know, been there, done that, led that. He, and uh, I mean, he's a theological, he's probably got like degree, all of these things. I mean, he's just this. So he joins the church to head up the Bible college in Clarksdorp. And young Thomas, with his eight months of leadership experience, he says to all of the elders, don't worry, everyone. I'll take Uncle Malcolm under my wing for a few months and just mentor him. (laughs) So this is dear Thomas. But here's the thing. When they were sharing that story with me, I just thought, but you know what? That's that's what it takes. It takes men and women willing to make room under their wing for those who are young in the faith. I I remember, I mean, I I went to university. I got my engineering degree. And and I remember going up to Joburg to my first job in the factory with my freshly printed engineering degree, fully qualified and absolutely clueless. 
I mean, I remember going into the factory and, and literally, yeah, I mean, I, I work and, and I'm supposed to like des- help design the systems to control the factory. And I didn't even know how to measure the temperature, let alone control something in the factory. And, and in the factory, there's normally a bit of a hierarchy, you know, with the engineers here and then the technicians. And while well, I had to go to the technicians, there's this eat humble pie and say, please, will, will you take me under your wing and just actually show me how this factory works? And I remember some of them graciously taking me under their wing for the first year. And, and some of the older engineers take me under their wing, teach me. That's what the world does. But what about the church? You see, we're the ones that, in fact, I love to, to study some of these idioms, some of these sayings. Where, where does the saying come from? You know, at work, I took someone under my wing. Where, where does that come from? So, I mean, I did what highly intelligent people do nowadays, and I went to the internet, and uh, I went to Google, and I said, you know, the origin of this saying, take someone under your wing. And then Wikipedia came back and said, it's in the Bible, duh. So having been rebuked, I realized it's not just in the Bible. It's been the very COVID scripture that people have been quoting over and over again. The source of that saying to take someone under your wing comes from Psalm 91, verse 4. It says of God, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Here's what I want you to grab hold of today. Our heavenly father takes us under his wings until we are ready to fly. That's what he does. He shelters us. He shields us under his wings until we are ready to fly. That revelation, remember, we reflect our revelation of God. And this is what I'm hoping this morning. We're never going to have an amazing maternity ward as a church until this revelation, our God, takes us under his wings. Because when that revelation breaks into your heart, as you grow in Christ, you should begin to reflect your heavenly father more and more. We reflect his love, his kindness, his integrity, his justice. Are we going to reflect the fact that there's room under our wing for those who are starting the journey? Now, I was challenged, as I shared a couple of weeks ago, when God challenged me, he said, Brent, are you willing to spend the rest of your life always discipling someone. And it's taken me a while to wrestle that through. What does that mean? Let's get practical. Let's get specific. And I'm convinced, church, if we are going to be the church ready, making ready for Jesus' return, if we're going to be the church that truly makes a difference in our city, in our region, it's not going to be a new program. It's going to be when every one of us realizes the new normal The old normal, in fact, because God's plan was never to have rookies, newbies in the church and leaders in the church, and the bulk of the church are happy disciples who come to church every Sunday. That was never God's plan. God's plan was always either you're a rookie, you're a newbie just coming to Christ, or you're a discipler, someone who's put the R into disciple and now no longer a noun. Now you're a verb. You're not a sitting and consuming. You realize part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to make other followers of Jesus. The challenge for every single one of us, I'm asking you this question today, is there someone under your wing? Are you prepared to dedicate that one hour a week? Are you prepared to ask the Holy Spirit for a name? Are you prepared to find a discipleship tool that you're comfortable with and invest into someone 
week after week, week after week, under your wing until they're ready to fly. That's what our Father has done for us. And now we, full of the Holy Spirit, are called to do the same for others. Come on, church. I'm inviting you today to come and join in making this prophetic word come to pass. This is what the Father has prophesied over us. This is His desire for Outlook Church, that this would be the choice destination. When the Holy Spirit is working in someone's heart, bringing them to salvation, this would be the place where God can add and add and add because every one of us has got room under our wings. Amen? If you still remember at that place where you think, I am that newbie, remember? Come and join us Thursday. We've got some trained disciples now who want to walk that journey with you until you're ready to take someone under your wing. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the incredible privilege that it is to be a people full of the Holy Spirit. Now, whether you're watching online or whether you're with us right now, I want to ask you this morning, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, remember, that's not something we do. It's something that Jesus does. And we know that we don't have to twist God's arm. Jesus paid the price with his life so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do two things this morning. I'm going to pray for anyone right now who wants to be prayed for. And then, as soon as I release you to coffee, I'm going to invite those who want hands to be laid upon them. You know, what we see in Scripture is many times the apostles, the leaders, the people laid their hands upon people and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do it generally now for those online and for those who just want a fresh filling. But for those of you whose hearts are stirred right now saying, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then as everyone else goes out that way, we on the red carpet are going to be laying hands on people this morning, praying for a baptism in the Holy Spirit. So let's lift our hands once again, if you're comfortable. Father, thank you so much that Jesus has paid the price so that we could be baptized in your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, will you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us right now? We surrender. We surrender, Lord. We cannot make ourselves worthy. We cannot earn it. We just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill. Come and empower. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the incredible work of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just where you are, just spend a couple of moments. Just worship the Lord right where you are. Just surrendering all to him. While we're doing that, you keep on worshiping. There might be some of you here this morning who've never bowed the knee to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are that person that the maternity ward is looking for. Someone who's saying, today is the day I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to get in under the wing of my Father, and that means getting under the wing of someone who can show me the ropes and teach me what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We want to pray for you today as well. We would love to invite you and show you what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to ask those two groups of people, if you want to give your life to Jesus, and number two, 
if you want to receive laying on of hands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to ask you in just a moment to come and join us on the red carpet. For the rest, Father, I praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you that as we go, we go knowing your gracious hand rests upon us. In Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Now.